Hello and welcome back. You're listening to the 24 Faithful podcast. I'm Bradley Adams and I'm joined, as always, uh, once again by Joel Wood. And Joel, just by some of our pre-chat just now, um, I get the impression that you haven't quite fully recovered from your Tony rant last week. And I sense there is going to be more to come today. I absolutely have not recovered uh, from my Tony rant last week. And I was quite upset a little bit after the podcast was over because there was uh there was more venting that I felt I needed to do and we kind of uh ran low on time. Well, we are back this week and there is a lot of Tony stuff to talk about, so I'm sure you will get your fill today. And it's with Tony that we start today actually because where we picked up last week, Tony had just killed Larry Moss and mm-hmm. we had seen the betrayal of him after after all this time. And what follows is another betrayal, and this one specifically towards Jack and, and sort of revealing himself to the wider FBI, I suppose, would, would be the way to put it, by getting uh, Robert Galvez, who had the canister of pathogen in the previous episode, to hide in a building and then blow it up with a load of FBI agents in it. Jack, of course, figured this out because he is exceptional. And then managed to realize that Tony was actually betraying them and that he was working against them. And um, Tony had already stolen Jack's med pack to deal with his effects of the pathogen, which meant that he had a seizure. Jack, uh, sorry, Tony got away. Galvez got away with the canister and um, the landscape changed in their friendship. It is officially over. You must have thoughts on this. By far the worst moment in 24 history. Worse than the cougar. <clears throat> yes. Worse than the amnesia. Yes. Ooh, okay, that's big. Go on. It's, it's, the, it's, and not only that, it's the most illogical moment in 24 history. Because of the fact that, I, I, I mentioned this before, that this was even... This was even worse than the Nina reveal as far as her being a villain because Tony had spent the entire day helping Jack save the country. The entire day. He turns on his close friend who helped him fake his death because he wasn't willing to cross the line of killing innocent American lives. He wasn't willing to, he told Jack at the beginning of the season, he did a lot of really bad things. But apparently killing American lives was a bridge too far. So why then all of a sudden, out of the blue really, he decides that that's not a bridge too far anymore. So he, he saves American lives just so he can kill American lives. It makes a zero logical sense. And usually I have, I have, for the most part, I have pretty good faith in the 24 riders. For the most part. But this just reeks of a swerve for the sake of a swerve. It just reeks of of shock value. I mean, it's not like they were short on villains. They had like 25 of them, okay, throughout the season. So it's not like they were short on villains and they had to just throw Tony in there to to make it make sense, okay? They had like 25 different villains. Any one of those villains could have been extended to the end of the season, especially Jonas Hodges. Jonas Hodges would have been a perfect bridge villain to get to Alan Wilson. They didn't need Tony to be a villain. Yeah, I mean, we covered this a little bit last week. For me, like, when we're talking specifically here about the betrayal of, of, of Jack, we know what Tony's done. But sort of the the, the reveal to everyone else, the, the going public with it. I quite I, I quite like it as a, as a scene, um, just from the sense of, well, two senses really that you know this is obviously very hurtful for Jack in in such a in such a brutal way, 
not just the fact that his friend is 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 a killer and a terrorist and, and working against him and he's gonna have to stop him and possibly kill him. Um but it, it you know in the way that he does it in in forcing Jack or not forcing Jack but denying Jack the opportunity to prevent his seizure. He's going through all this pain anyway and this is just sort of mounting on top. But I think as well I, I do really like Carlos Bernard's performance in that scene sort of empty evil glare that he gives Jack as he's lying there unable to control himself on the floor I think that is quite terrific but I mean like this bothers me less because I feel like at this point the the reveal of of Tony as a villain him killing Larry Moss as we talked at length about last week it just I don't like it but at least here where it's, it's on the table and it's the emotional value for Jack, I can at least to an extent get behind it from that aspect, but there's a really nice line he has to, to Renee in the next episode about how he failed the president. He failed everyone. And he says, I just wanted to believe. And I think that's a really nice thing from Jack's perspective uh, uh, to actually analyze this, that yes, Tony has betrayed them and, and, Yes, you know, you can never forgive him. But from Jack's perspective, this is, he, he wanted this to be fine. This, when he came into this, we should remember as well, that he came into this 20 hours ago under the provision or, or the assumption that Tony was a bad guy. He was a terrorist. He was causing all of these attacks. And over the course of the day, he's seen Tony actually be that, that thing that he, he claims to be at the end of the season, Tony, that, He's trying to save lives. He's actually trying to bring down the people behind this. He's actually a good guy. And this is the Tony that Jack knew. And to be faced with this reality, when you've already had the, the news of, of you know, the fact you're going to die, you're feeling the effects of it, you, you clearly don't have long left. And Tony being one of the few friends Jack has ever had and certainly still has now, you've lost Bill. Like, it's, it's, it's fairly heartbreaking for Jack, I think. Throughout 24, there's there's two things that annoyed me, okay? I mean, besides the obvious tropes that you have during every season of bombs and, and moles and Jack saying, damn it, 25 times. <clears throat> that's, that's one of the good bits. Aside from, aside from that, there's two things you can count on with Jack. A woman close to him is going to die, and one of his friends is going to turn his back on him. And that's how, and that I feel is 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 like, can't we just like you're killing all of his all of his lady friends? I mean, can you leave him one guy, like just one guy, that can stick by him and and and, and help him stop? these attacks from happening. I mean, can you just leave him one guy? I mean, you killed Bill. Okay. You already killed Bill Buchanan. Renee, Renee Walker dies next season. Spoiler. Um, you know, Audrey, Audrey dies in like six years. Spoiler. So, I mean, can you just leave him one guy? Tony was supposed to be his guy throughout the entire series they were supposed to stick by him no matter what. Batman, Robin. Tony is Robin. And then you have him turn just so he can get Alan Wilson. I mean, let's be, let's be honest here. Jack probably had a better chance of getting Alan Wilson there if Tony would have just confided in him from the start instead of faking his death, doing all this BS, putting American lives at risk, stealing the CIP device, stealing the canister, and doing all this elaborate plan to get Alan Wilson to meet him. If he would have just confided in Jack after the events of season or the five, then they could have worked together and probably got Alan Wilson there. But Jack no. Was, Jack, I mean, had, Jack was kidnapped by the Chinese at the end of season five. So that kind of wasn't on the table. Yes, you are exactly right. But, however, going back to season five when Tony faked his death and he was dead for, what, 10 minutes? 
do you think Tony would have allowed him to get kidnapped by the Chinese if Tony was there with him? I don't know. What he, Tony was dead. For only 10 minutes? Jack was kidnapped, <laughs> what, several hours later? I the, mean... The, 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 the 10 minutes being dead, incidentally, is one of the few things I don't like about season five retrospectively, is that the, like... Oh, actually, I suppose it's kind of disliking this season. It's like, but no, at 10 minutes, you'd be like, you wouldn't come back. You'd be dead. You'd be properly dean Even Wayne Palmer wouldn't survive that. Yeah, no, I know. I take your point. Like, but this, but this is the thing, isn't it? That that, that Tony's whole thing was he he comes into it, and, and we might as well move into this because I was gonna we were gonna talk about the subway attack first, but while we're on this, we might as well just talk about the the revenge stuff at the <clears> end of the season. <throat> Tony does say that like he was working with Bill and Chloe, and they were he he was trying to find Alan Wilson. And he was going to take him down, but then Jack kind of screwed it up. And I don't, I don't follow that logic. Like, what? I don't see it. I don't see where Tony was. I kind of, you know, I get the the plan with Bill to stop um, Emerson and to find Dubaku's list and the people involved in the government conspiracy. I get that, but then f- to go from that to this, okay. Let's say for its for instance that. Okay, fine. Tony did team up with Bill in large part to try and find Alan Wilson to find the man behind Michelle's murder. But are you telling me seriously that based on what Jack deciding that um, Jack getting involved then changed Tony's mind from being part of Bill's group and, and arresting Alan Wilson to killing him? You're telling me that, that Tony didn't plan that all along? That Tony thought that actually being with Bill and Chloe and, and, and everything that they would get Alan Wilson arrested. I, I just, I don't, I don't get it. It doesn't work. Cause I know he pretty much didn't tell Bill and Chloe about his ultimate plan for Alan Wilson. I'm willing to bet the house on that. But this is, but this is the thing. He tries to claim that his ultimate plan was to take down Alan Wilson, not kill him. That's the impression yeah. that you get from that conversation with Jack in the finale. But I just I don't believe that someone who would strap Jack with a bomb if twelve that hours was, earlier, if you'd asked him, he'd have been like, Oh no, I want to just arrest Alan Wilson. It just I don't that get was it. Tony's, that was Tony's ultimate plan. But I'm willing to bet that he didn't clue uh Bill and Chloe in on that plan because when you hear the conversations between Bill and Chloe, all of their conversations end with General Juma. But this is my point. That regardless of, you know, okay, he may not have told them about Wilson, but he definitely wouldn't have told them this plan of trying to kill Wilson. And I don't I don't believe that he would have stopped at him, oh, getting arrested, potentially going to prison, because he might weasel out of it. Jack coming into the fold. And this is this is where this is where the logic escapes me here. Because you got Tony and you got Bill and you got Chloe. They're working outside the law. They're they're a renegade group trying to bring down this conspiracy. Okay, fine, whatever. But they didn't start making serious headway until they enlisted the help of Renee Walker and the FBI and President Taylor. They would not have gotten that far without Jack. They were not, Tony was not going to just walk into the White House and request a meeting with President Taylor. Okay, Tony, Tony Almeida wasn't just going to walk into the FBI and ask Renee Walker for her help. To be fair, to be fair, Jonas Hodges had a load of missiles pointed at the East Coast and he managed to get a meeting with the White House. So, you know, Tony did have a chance. Yeah, but Jonas was trying to blackmail the White House. Tony was not going to go aim missiles at, at a target and ask them for their help. Okay. Tony was not going to uncover this conspiracy without the help of the FBI. Because guess what? If you uncover the conspiracy, even without Jack's help, if you uncover the conspiracy and you get the CF and you get the uh the little flash drive with all the names of all the co-conspirators in the government and everything like that. You turn it into the FBI. Great. Okay. They arrest them. But guess what? You get arrested too. So there goes this plan to take down Alan Wilson. 
because up until this point, without Jack, you don't have the FBI's help. You don't have the president's help. They still view you as a terrorist and a and an enemy of the state. So there's no way that they're just going to take the take the flash drive and be like, oh, OK, OK, we'll have a nice day. No, you get arrested, too. Bill gets arrested. Chloe gets arrested. All three of them get arrested. Jack still goes to a Senate hearings and Tony never gets Alan Wilson. Tony doesn't get Alan Wilson without Jack, regardless of whether he strapped a bomb to his chest or not. Tony doesn't get that far without Jack's help because Jack is the one that they trust enough to have a meeting with the FBI because he's the only one of the four that's at this point, at this point in time, is not wanted from is not a wanted fugitive. So he's the only one that's going to be able to facilitate this meeting, which is why the logic in saying that Jack came in and screwed it all up escapes me. Yeah, should we um should we talk about the other bit that is going to make me turn a little bit irrationally angry? Oh, and there were other parts. Well, oh, my yeah. Bad. The the, the 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 fact that then there's tried like a sympathy claim and an expansion of Tony's motive and a justification for it by throwing in at the final second you are rolling your eyes and I think you know what I'm going to say the inclusion of the line you killed my son and the fact that the the revelation that Michelle was actually pregnant in season five and by killing her it wasn't just Michelle that was killed I mean this just it's 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 horrible isn't it this is just dreadful like i mean i don't see the point of it firstly i don't know why it's there i don't know i don't know what the whole logic behind it is like you know i'm not gonna i'm not gonna be on board with tony doing this and killing all these people to get revenge for michelle but at least i i I can still kind of go okay i get why he's doing it i don't believe that he would and i don't like it but I at least understand that's what he's doing. Okay, fine. I get it. You don't need an extra reason. There's just no need to it. Presumably, Tony knew of this when Michelle died. It wasn't like he's faked his death with Emerson and then some years later somehow managed to find out that Michelle was pregnant when she died. Like I don't think that's the case. So what you're saying is that Tony was angry about Michelle's death and knew that his son had been killed as well, but still couldn't kill Henderson who was responsible at the time. But then you're trying to tell me to believe, okay, fine. Emerson's whole um, convincing him to be angry type angle. Fine. I get that. But Tony was angry with Henderson and he couldn't kill Henderson then. And that's the kind of person that Tony is. He's not the person that he is here. And I just, I really hate it. it it's, it's a very late attempt after, what, four or five episodes of switching you around to hating Tony for, for his actions and putting him on the side of the villains. It's a very late switch into trying to make you feel some sympathy for him, I think. And it just falls very, very flat for me. It's a... Uh... It's another reason why the swerve for the sake of the swerve is not working because you switched Tony over to being the villain the last six episodes um, to being essentially essentially what amounts to be the main villain because Alan Wilson's only there for like a cup of coffee. Um, so you can't really even count Alan Wilson as the main villain. It's like they just threw him in at the last minute to put a cap on it. Um, so you essentially switch him to being the main villain. But then in the last episode, you try to make us feel sorry for him. We felt sorry for him through the first 18 episodes. We felt sorry for him that he had to fake it, that he faked his death and was basically brainwashed to be angry and hate everybody because of what happened to Michelle. 
we already felt sorry for him. And then you turned him into a villain so we could not feel sorry for him and hate him. And then the last hour of the day, suddenly you dropped the bombshell that his son died in, when Michelle was killed. It's like, if you're gonna, if you're gonna turn him into a villain, go all the way. Have him have no redeeming qualities. Have him have no remorse. Straight villain. Instead, you turn him into a villain, and then you have him have this conversation with Jack about how he was never, he was never going to use you to, to release the virus, and it was just a play, and you know, I'm doing all this to get revenge for Michelle's death. And, oh, you killed my son. You tried too hard those last six episodes to justify why Tony was doing what he was doing. Instead of just, if you wanted to turn him back into a villain, you do it and then you just go all the way with it. Have him have no remorse. This isn't the Tony we know. And either kill him or arrest him at the end. It's that simple. Having him adding adding the son part at the end was was kind of a feeble attempt at making us feel sorry for somebody that we had already felt sorry for. And then you took that away. Which is another reason why it should have been him and Jack. Because if it was him and Jack through 23 episodes trying to get Alan Wilson there. And Tony gives him the impression that he just wants to arrest him. And then at the end, at the end, he knocks Alan Wilson down and he's getting ready to shoot him, even though Jack's trying to talk him down. And that's when the revelation comes out that you killed my wife and son. Then the sympathy card makes sense. Because then Jack is forced to shoot Tony to keep him from killing Alan Wilson. Then it makes sense. The way they did it did not make sense. To me, it's just, it's, it's a thing that clearly, and, and, and 24, a lot of the, the, you know, there are sort of overarching story threads that are planned. Um, but to my knowledge, like most of it was just sort of made up as they went along episode by episode. Um, and, Okay, so from that, fine. But clearly there was no thought put into this in season five that Michelle was going to be pregnant with Tony's son. Because, you know, why would no one care about that then? And, you know, that this is the thing for me that, that that's okay. That's a big thing. And that's something we should feel something for. But... You, you don't talk about it when Michelle actually dies and we're in the fallout of Michelle's death and, and Tony's emotion and grief around it. And then you try and drop it on us here. Like, I don't know. I'm not having it. I just don't have it. And like you said, like the sympathy angle, but in the last few hours, Tony's tried to kill 10,000 people on the subway. He's threatened Kim. He strapped Jack, our favorite or our, our leading man to a bomb and try to have him blow him up with the guy who's killed Michelle. And there's no sympathy. The sympathy comes from me towards Jack, who has to stand there and shoot Tony twice, who is, you know, his former best friend, who has got this big, long relationship with him. And he's on the cusp of dying himself. And he's got to stand there and shoot Tony to prevent him from killing, who is, you know, Alan Wilson is clearly a despicable man. And and if Tony killed him, no one would be sorry about it. But this is this is who Jack is. Like there's 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 justice in the world. That's how things work. It's not revenge. Oh, well, I mean, when we talk, when we come to season eight, I'm sure the uh, the perspective will change. But Jack's helping the FBI. He's not clouded in judgment or or in his thoughts. Sorry, and so Alan Wilson. Okay, maybe maybe if Tony kills him, people are better off. But this is not the way. Uh, the sympathy is with Jack, and 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 Tony just 
No, I'm, I don't have it. I, I don't like it. Jack as well, I should say. I mean, Jack is very much right in that conversation that you had before about how Michelle would absolutely despise him for this. She would. She, she hated him for the withdrawal and alcoholic tendency she, he had in season four, or before season four, I should say, after he was released from prison. Th- this Tony be unrecognisable for her. How I don't see how, and it, and it is very much a sort of seeing red blind rage type thing, isn't it, that Tony is, thinks he's doing this for Michelle, but he doesn't see that she would, she, this would be the last thing she'd ever want him to do. I mean, I can, un, I, it's like I said, it would be the revelation at the end about the sun would have came off much better and much more sympathetic if Tony would have still been on the side of the good guys when it happened. If he would have worked with the FBI and worked with Jack to bring Alan Wilson down. And then at the end, once he was face-to-face with the person responsible for the death of his wife and son, he just couldn't contain it anymore. And then tried to kill Alan Wilson. And before before Jack had to shoot him. Then no, I could I'd understand. Have, I'd have hated it then. I don't I there's, there's no need for it. I don't see that there's any need to throw in an unborn child that died what four years ago, five years ago, whenever like this is not the here's how I could understand it is if Tony's wife was just someone that we'd never met or that we'd met once, then I can kind of go, okay, to an extent, I get it. But Michelle Rico's in what, 70 episodes? She's so well known to us. She's so well loved by us. Like, we don't need the extra motivation to, in theory, support Tony on this revenge quest. We're not going to support Tony on this revenge quest, but at least there's there's an understanding of, okay, we love Michelle. Tony wanted to get revenge. Fine. There's There's some sort of animalistic part of people that I imagine can understand that. But like, no, not no, no. Bradley, it would have made sense if he was still on the side of the good guys. I didn't say it wouldn't make sense. I just say I, I wouldn't like it. It would. <sighs> I want up old feelings here. <laughs> My thing is, <laughs> is that. <clears throat> The last six episodes, and mind you, I'm still I'm still upset that they didn't bring Tony back for season eight. I'm still upset about that. Hang on, you you you're saying you'd want this Tony back for season eight? Yeah, because I because I told you a number of times before before season nine when I was when I originally started to bring back Tony fan club, when I realized that live another day hadn't casted him yet, that I wanted Tony to come back and redeem himself for the, the chaos that he called us, that he caused in season seven, because if Jack was going to have a chance to redeem himself for all the, the, the chaos that he caused in season eight, then we should at least give Tony a chance to right the wrongs of season seven. Kind of, kind of, kind of retcon his his character, so to speak. That was the main purpose and, of legacy, wasn't it? Yeah, we saw how that worked out. <laughs> okay, it. I would have helped. I would have helped you, but you broke my freaking arm. Yeah, that's. We saw how that worked out. I'm amazed you even remember lines. I go, I don't remember lines from Legacy. I remember, I remember stupid lines. <laughs> okay, I remember stupid lines a lot better. Yeah. Okay, and I remember thinking at the time that he said that line that I wanted to punch a hole into my TV <laughs> because Tony, Tony had had done all this stuff with with broken arms and. He came. He came back and ran CTU with a with a bullet hole in his freaking neck. But he can't. But he can't help whatever the lead guy's name was because he broke his arm. 
Like I still, cool. I still, I think I still prefer that to the suggestion that Tony had an unborn son that was never mentioned previously. Maybe so. And and plus, by the time Legacy came around, Tony was back to his curly-haired, fluffy look instead of the season seven look of Tony was my favorite look that Tony's had in the entire series. Taking all the BS aside, the look that he had, the little the the low haircut and the goatee or what resembles a goatee and uh he he looked a lot slimmer than he had in previous seasons so i like that look but back on topic the reason that that i don't like if they would have built it up a little bit better i would have still hated it but I would have understood it a little bit more. But this was not built up at all because just not even, what was it, 10 hours earlier, he saved, he told Emerson that he was not willing to risk American lives. Not even, what was it, hour or two before he saved American lives. And now he's willing to just kill 10,000 of them on subway. It's called lying, Joel. It's called BS, Bradley. That's what it's called. <laughs> well, that's, they mean the same thing. Okay, this, this is illogical writing. Yeah. He told, he told Emerson that he was not willing to risk American lives. Emerson was dying, Bradley. Yeah, okay. Jack could have heard it. He, he had no, <laughs> Jack was all the way over there and, and Tony talks low enough as it is. There was no way that Jack could have heard Tony say that. Oh, look, look I'm, with, I'm with you on this. That There's absolutely it, no way. We, we, we've gone through so many flip-flops with Tony in this season of thinking that he's a villain, you know, him being a villain at the start, certainly. Knowing that he's not, he's still capable of doing some pretty terrible things. Um, he's still tiptoeing on the wrong side of the law. You know, the Vincent Cardiff stuff, the, the, the guy that he's questions to find the, find the White House attack. The impression that we get there that he tortured and killed him. You know, this is, this is the, the wrong side of Tony, but at least it's kind of like, we're in the middle, we can, we can accept it. And then, yeah, to end, to end where we did, just, it's not great. And then, and then to, to, make, to make matters even worse, after season seven was over, you know, I was reading up on it and stuff like that. And the 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 woman, Kara, that was working with Tony the entire mm-hmm. the last, I don't know, six episodes, that was supposed to be Mandy. Yes, I have heard about this. It, which would have made it even worse. Because Mandy tried to kill him and Michelle. So that would have uh, made it even worse. That would have made it even worse. She didn't try, well, try to kill Michelle. Let me let me let me rephrase that. She wanted to kill Michelle. Uh, well, yeah, maybe. She wanted to kill Michelle. She wanted to kill Michelle. She tried to kill Tony. She tried to kill David Palmer. And that would have been the only thing they could have done that would have made it worse than what it was. Yeah, I'm quite glad they didn't do that as much as I would love to have seen Mia Kirshner again. I mean, I like Mandy. I like the character. But having her work with Tony in those last six episodes would have made it even worse because even even if she didn't technically want to kill Michelle, she basically used Tony to get at Michelle. And now you're going, and now Tony was supposed to work with her in season seven to avenge Michelle's death. That would have made the story even more convoluted than it ended up being. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm quite glad that wasn't Mandy, particularly because Tony and Kara seem to have some sort of um, slightly more substantial relationship but anyway you're rolling your eyes we don't need to talk about that that's that's bad we don't like it um yeah, the one thing i will say carl was not my favorite character no the one thing i will say is that this season and and to an extent these last few episodes are probably carlos bernard's best work in the show i think <laughs> i think i think you know the, the being the villain doesn't suit Tony, but it, it really does suit Carlos Bernard. I feel like he, he does embody it quite well. I mean, I guess it was okay. I mean, he does, <laughs> he does. Century gritted teeth. 
I mean, I, I mean, I'm, I you mean, can you're... praise Carlos Bernard for being quite good in playing a character that's quite bad. I, I guess he did. I guess he did good with the material that he was given. With the material he was given, I get he did pretty, pretty well in it. But until from now until until the day that. Carlos Bernard or Kiefer Sutherland retire from acting. Until that day, I'm going to stand by the fact that the last six episodes of season seven stopped that season from being potentially the second best season of 24. Because had they had they, because the first 18 episodes were were good to great to me. I mean, nothing's on the level of season five, but season seven through the first 18 episodes were on par <clears throat> with every other season to me. The last six episodes ruined everything. Yeah. And, and, <laughs> and last- this, this actually brings on to the subway attack because something I felt rewatching it, and this is going to be more than just the Tony is a traitor, is a villain angle. There was a, I'm trying to quite put my finger on it, but there was something about the last six episodes that just felt so very detached from everything before it. Um, there is an extent, I guess, that I think it, part of it is that um, we spent so long, you know, looking at Hodges and Tony and Juma and these new threats and everything. And then we fall back into the trap of the Islamist terrorist angle and Tony and the racial profiling from the FBI because they have to. And it kind of feels like all the lessons of season six that have been learned had kind of been unlearned. And that was a little bit frustrating. It just, I don't know what it was. I don't, I don't know how, I don't quite know how to describe it because there was very much in the first 18 episodes, a sense of almost new, you know, this was this was new 24. We're at the FBI. It's not CTU anymore. Most of the characters you knew are gone. And everything's really new. We're in Washington, D.C. We're on the other side of the country. Everything Everything's different. And, and it felt refreshing. It felt like after season six, which had gotten so stagnant at points, that it kind of, it almost felt like a, a, like a fresh coat of paint, almost, on the walls. And... For some reason, these final six episodes just feel like all that paint's been removed and we're back where we were. And I think it's weird because I look at season, you know, I look at season eight and in my head, there's this like picture of, say, a split screen. When I look at when I, when I think about some of these seasons, there's this picture of a split screen and there's kind of a gloss to the images on season seven. But season six and season eight are kind of rough like the ones before season six, if that, that, I mean, that probably doesn't make any sense to you, but there was just a real difference to season seven. And and suddenly it doesn't feel like that. I don't know. I mean, I mean, we'll, we'll talk about it more when we get in season eight, but I'm, I'm, I'm very much against season eight, the look of season eight, because season season eight, more than any other season, is when twenty four officially looked Hollywood, like it, it it officially looked like a Hollywood production as opposed to you know a, a gritty in your face action type of type of show. You know, season eight, the the technology and and the way CTU looked and everything like that, it looked way too Hollywood for for my twenty four taste. <clears throat> the sits episode, the final sits episodes of of season seven, again ruined the season for me. I mean, I enjoyed the season overall. If you ask me overall what letter grade I would give it, I would probably give it a B minus. But it would have been an A plus without those final sits episodes, because it just it felt. Like a lot of season, a lot of those last six episodes, you could have probably skipped through and it would not have affected your knowledge of the overall story. 
um, like Tony, like uh, Jack breaking Tony out of out of custody in the van when they were going to take Tony back to FBI headquarters. <laughs> like that's that's what the second time he's broken Tony out of FBI custody today. Yep. I mean, it's, it's it just it, it felt unnecessary. You know, it didn't really the the whole the whole thing with Kim. I'm just I understand that. You know, at, up until this point, they hadn't had Kim in the season yet. Um, so I understand they needed to raise the stakes to get Jack to cooperate, so to speak, or whatever. But I felt like it was that whole sequence right there felt unnecessary because you never felt, and in, in your mind watching it, you never felt anything bad was going to happen to Kim. Because they're not gonna they're not gonna bring her back for two episodes just to kill her. So you never felt that <clears throat> anything that Kim was in real serious jeopardy or serious danger. It's like the like the bombs that that Jack diffused. Um, what was it, season six? That he diffused those bombs. Yeah, yep, yep. nuclear bomb in season six. Yeah, it, it's 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 it's. Just like that, you never felt that Kim was in any danger. I enjoy it nonetheless, though. Like I, I do actually quite enjoy that Kim storyline. It's a bit weird, and it's a little bit um, pushing the barrel. I guess would be the phrase for it for for twenty four. Um, the thing I just listen to you talk there. The thing I thought about is that when you look at the last six, seven, eight episodes of previous seasons, all but season two and six in previous seasons feel like a continuation you know you've got season one where it's it's victor drazen and that's kind of what everything's been about season three everything the virus is still going on saunders is still at large that kind of pivots midway through the season and really benefits for it season four is just this endless marwan series of attacks season five is well the conspiracy never really ended because we never really got anywhere near uncovering it because charles logan is involved but you look at seasons two, six, and seven, two with the pivot from the bomb going off to the Cypress audio, which feels enough connected, but also separate enough that you could kind of, you can, you can live without it, but it's really effective. And I think it works. Um, season six, then with the Audrey stuff, which I, I don't want to keep talking about it. We, you know, my thoughts on season six, but it's, it's very much tacked on the end of stopping, a 17-hour nuclear attack. And then this, in the same way, everything ends. They've got rid of Juma, they've got rid of Dubaku, they've found all the the the, the traitors, co-conspirators in the government, in the FBI, wherever. The canisters are all secure. And then suddenly there's another one, and it then becomes completely different. It becomes all about Tony, it becomes all about um, Gibran and, and, and this attack on the subway and all this, all these things. And it's just a bit, it's a bit naff. I, I just, I'm not, I don't know. But this is the, the problem I have with it and, and trying to reconcile this in my head is that a lot of this stuff is actually quite good or, or at least some of it is quite good anyway, that the attack on the subway, that there's a real tension to it. You know, Gibran, Omid Abati, who was the, uh, one of the kids in the uh, weapons store in season four that Jack and Paul took refuge at, he is he is superb and i'm so very glad that they didn't just waste him in that one episode where he was a store owner and he had that one nice scene with jack which was lovely but this is so much better but there's he he he's really good and there's a real real tension to the subway attack and the potential of the pathogen going off and i love i mentioned the islamic thing and and that's not ideal but it does work for the whole narrative conversation that we'll talk about in the next podcast about the invasions of freedoms and the all, all of the stuff that surrounded the ctu versus fbi debate in this season and the senate hearings and and all the stuff with jack that jack's conversation with janice about the racial profiling how he doesn't like it too but you know what other way is there there is he doesn't know another way find a more effective way we'll do it but you know this is this is how he knows and also the stuff that happens between jack and the imam you know the the antagonistic start that they have over this profiling to then the connection they end up having when Jack's on his deathbed. And 
there's so much about this storyline that's tacked on and I, I don't understand why in my head I look at it and think, yeah, that wasn't, that wasn't great. I didn't enjoy it yet. There are so many, so many bits that I look at and go, well, that was good. <clears throat> the reason for that is because a lot of it was, like I said, illogical. A lot of it felt unnecessary. Um, season season seven's final six episodes felt like the first six episodes of the following season because it didn't season episode 18 felt like a cliffhanger for the next season the way it ended it just felt like a cliffhanger for the next season and then you know the last the last six episodes felt like something that was a completely different season and that's you know that's okay if it's you know if it happens in like episode 13 or episode 14 so you got half a season left to go to kind of start fresh except they started fresh like three or four times throughout the course of season seven you know they had a fresh start after they got to baku after they got the names of the co-conspirators, there was a fresh start. There was a fresh start after they killed Juma and the White House attack and Bill's death. That felt like a fresh start. Then there was another fresh start after uh, Tony's betrayal. It felt like a it felt like a completely different season after that. So, with so many starts and stops, that it feels like. It feels like they broke this season up into like two or three mini seasons as opposed to just one long, long running season. <clears throat> it felt like they were they had like two or three mini seasons packed into one large overarching season. And I felt like that was the <clears throat> that was the disconnect at times because it was hard to follow what was going on at times because it felt like once they it's 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 another problem with having too many villains in a season because once you kill off one villain then you gotta start fresh and get the other villain so that's why i'm okay with maybe two villains over the course of a season but they had like four so that's the problem with having trying to jam pack too much into one season because it's hard to follow along because it feels like you're breaking everything up into like six episode increments. You know, we get, we got rid of this guy at the end of this, these six episodes. We got rid of this guy at the end of this six episodes. So how let's start be, fresh. How convenient that we record the podcast talking about six episode slots then. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Every, at the end of every podcast, they kill off a villain. <laughs> so it's, it's, I mean, it just, I don't, I just don't understand how, like what they were. I know there was a, I know there was a writer's strike. So they had extra time after a handful of episodes to, you know, I guess rethink what they were going to do during the season, but I can't recall. And your memory is probably better than mine, but I can't recall a season that had so many different main villains as season seven had. Because every villain that they had was treated like the end game. Every villain was treated like the main villain. Even though even though they kept mentioning General Juma when they were talking about Dubaku, they played up Dubaku like he was like he was the main guy orchestrating everything. Um and that's and that's the problem is that it's okay to have one or two main villains and maybe a couple of secondary, you know, um, henchmen, so to speak, that you got to go through, um, which they do in pretty much every season. But all of these guys had separate arcs that were connected to the overall story, but they weren't connected to each other. If that makes sense. Yeah, it does. I mean, season five is the only one, isn't it, that it had Erwick, Bierko, Henderson, Logan, but 
yeah, I, I see what you mean. And um, we do need to move on. I will just mention though, uh, one of my possibly all-time favorite moments from the show, which is Gibran shouting, "I have a bomb!" in order to get out of the subway in time to to stop the the pathogen from being released. I think that is just it's absolutely genius. I love it. I love it so much. It's so ridiculous, but it's so good. Yeah, yeah, that that was that was, that was a pretty good scene. Um, you know, they they had they had their moments. I just felt like the overall arcing theme was uh, kind of lacking for my taste. Yeah, yeah. Um, final thing we need to talk about today uh, is Olivia and Jonas ah. Hodges and all of the stuff there. I know it's so exciting, isn't it? Um, I was wondering. no we talked about olivia last week a little bit that she's very dislikable and oh oh does that increase here um to an extent i can kind of sympathize with her that this man has killed her brother she you know she's angry at him for that but also he, he is obviously responsible for so many terrorist attacks and so many people that have died today and so i kind of get the the um the quest for revenge ultimately this is a scenario we faced many times before that someone who has done these horrible things has to be excused pardoned put into witness protection whatever it is because the government need the information jack needs the information that they'll provide and yeah i mean i feel a bit for hodges as well having to abandon his life that he's built that we, we, he, you're laughing Hodges. well no what i mean is that like the whole thing he talked about was he's built his name he, the whole thing he's done today is for his company this is his personal achievement in his life and now he's just gonna go and be robert tippett somewhere like he, that <laughs> although i don't at all understand his his motivations and we talked last week about how he's possibly the most delusional character the show has ever had like there's there's a respect there that i have for him that even though his methods are completely insane he's doing all this because he wants his name out there he wants to further him like he wants to be known and for his achievements to mean something and all of a sudden they don't and then he gets killed so you've got to feel for him there Um, I'm sorry, but I don't feel for Jonas Hodges. Okay, <laughs> I didn't think you would. <laughs> I mean, I'm I don't share your sympathy on that one. Um, I got killed. Yeah, but he, you know, he tried to kill thousands of people. Tried to blackmail the White House. He's responsible for the death of uh, Olivia's brother. I mean, it's it's. <sighs> He doesn't have a lot of redeeming qualities, Brad. No, he doesn't, does he? he he's fairly grim. He's fairly <laughs> I mean, grim. For, for somebody who says he was doing this for his country, he doesn't, you know, give me a lot of confidence in that. But look, it's not like his murderer has many redeeming qualities either. I mean, we, Olivia, she's found herself in this position <clears throat> despite her recklessness. And, and there is no argument. She is completely reckless about everything, even before we but, met her. But you got to think stuff. about it. But you got to think about it like this. I mean, how is she any different than Tony? Tony wanted to kill Alan Wilson because Alan was responsible for the death of his wife and his son. Um, Olivia killed Jonas Hodges because Jonas was responsible for the death of her brother. So at the end of the day, as as unredeemable as, unredeemable as Olivia is, can you really blame her? I mean, if we're no, going we, we, we to... Gonna... We spent the entire duration of this podcast blaming Tony. So how can you then go, can you blame Olivia? Because Tony, 10 hours before that, no, said that not he would not... We're not having this conversation again. Well, but this, don't ask but me the is, question then, Bradley. But, but this is my point about Olivia, that she she's reckless. She's always been reckless from what we understand of her before with the campaign and leaking information on Daniels. And even when we see her, like when she comes in, instantly exposing a load of stuff about Ethan to the press and getting him to lose his job. And and there is this, this absolute abandon for everything logical from her in order to what further her political career. And we talked about it before. She doesn't need to do this. She's, she's like 
already one of the most powerful people in the world just by her sheer existence. I think it's fairly fitting from that that her downfall would come through recklessness, through the the quip she makes to Aaron, which gets him suspicious, through deciding emotionally that she's going to have Jonas Hodges killed, through not knowing that Ethan had that that this thing exists in the White House Chief of Staff's office to record conversations. It's all kind of naive and very much head head first. Don't think about things. Deal with the no consequences. Ideally, later, and the consequences come round, and it's just yeah, it's it's not great from her. No, it's not. Um, but at the at the same time. Olivia, I don't know the actor's name off the top of my head. Sprite Graydon. Sure. Um, she also has a, a face that just makes you want to hate her. Like she looks conniving. She looks sneaky. She looks manipulative. And that's before she even says a word. So I didn't. I didn't really buy into them trying to portray her as a sympathetic figure at any point during the season once she was introduced (laughs) because she just doesn't have that sympathetic face to me. (laughs) And, you know, it's, it's, we got to have drama in the white house, right? I mean, it wouldn't, uh, it wouldn't be a, a, a complete season without some kind of drama in the white house. So, that's what Olivia brought. <clears throat> and I think that it's another situation of, I think they wasted Jonas Hodges' death. To have Olivia be the one responsible for his death just left a bad taste in my mouth for me. Because like I said, they could have done so much more with Jonas Hodges. And to have him dead because of Olivia Taylor felt like a little bit of a waste to me. No, but it does cause ripple effects, doesn't it? It causes uh, the divorce of, of President Taylor and, and Henry Taylor and all of this tension. And I guess that kind of, it, it, it's a contributing factor, I'd say, into some of President Taylor's actions in season eight. But of course, we'll get there. Um, the thing I will say about that is that Cherry Jones gets won an Emmy for the finale. And oh my God, did she deserve it? Because she is so good. Yeah, I, I was very, I was very impressed with her performance throughout mo- throughout most of the season, especially once it ramped up and once Jack and Tony and Bill and Chloe got involved and the drama that unfolded. Um, I think she she turned it up a notch after that, and I think she, at times during season eight, I kind of cringed a little bit, but for the most part. Um, she was probably the the best president in twenty four besides Palmer. That's David, not a hu- that that's way. not that, that's not a high bar to clear. To be fair, well, um, but I mentioned it before. Like her reaction when the planes got um, when the planes collided was great. The the speech she gave to the cabinet after that was fantastic. Uh, moments when Henry got shot and in the White House siege are just so good. But this here, where where she's, I mean, it, this is the thing that breaks her, isn't it? That she's got to convict or she's got to send her daughter to be potentially put in prison um, and it breaks her family and the emotional heft, the toil, the, the, the weight that comes with all this. I mean, Cherry Jo, she, she, she just conveys it magnificently. And I love the scene with her and Ethan afterwards. That's just, it's just really, it's nice after probably one of the most miserable episodes for the present for a while or actually five minutes, but never mind. <laughs> Who's counting, right? <laughs> Who would be president in twenty four? My God! I mean, it's it was a, it was a great performance. I liked I liked the the dynamic uh, between her and Ethan. Um, I thought that you know there was some unnecessary drama there with her and Henry because I felt like it. I mean. I can understand from Henry's point of view, you know, that he he had a pretty rough day himself. <laughs> so I can understand from his point of view why he would want her to 
uh, delete the recording of Olivia admitting to, you know, her involvement. Um, but at the same time, you had to know that she's the president of the United States. And, you know, this is this kind of thing is this is the kind of thing that comes out eventually. I mean, you know, even if you delete the recording, I mean, this is the kind of thing that eventually does come out and it could destroy the presidency. So it's. I kind of understood it more from the from President Taylor's point. of view. Indeed. Well, that wraps us up for this week's episode. Um, people will obviously note that we haven't really talked about Jack and the pathogen and all of that stuff. Um, that is something we will cover in the season seven review podcast, uh, which will be coming in two weeks time. We're not here next week, um, but in two weeks time, you'll be able to listen to us talking about season seven overall. Um, in that time, if you're missing us, then you can get in touch with us. Uh, you can go to at the 24 podcast on Twitter. You can go to 24 faithful.com or you can leave us a voicemail at four zero five seven seven one zero five six seven. We'd love to hear your feedback. If you've got anything particular to say about season seven or God forbid, Tony, um, before we get Joel started again, um, then please, please do don't. Get, no, please don't, but, but, but please do, please do get in touch with us. If you do have any thoughts, um, we'll share them on the podcast. Um, but in two weeks time, we'll be back to talk about the end of season seven and then we'll move into season eight. Um, but hopefully everyone's enjoyed this podcast and we will see you again in two weeks time. Mm-hmm.